3: Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Old Brother, a podcast about Salford slash Manchester's legendary and much-missed musical institution, The Fall. Each week we invite along a guest or guests to chat about their experience and memories of the group. If you're wondering, we, consist consists of me, Paul Hanley and my brother Steve, who as you probably know was a member of The Fall for 20 years. As always, you can find us at The Usual Suspects, but we're hosted at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash old brother. Hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the uh, of all brother, the Fall Podcast, with me, Paul Hanley, and the ever legendary Stephen Hanley.
0: The Fall Podcast.
3: What? <laughs> well, right, a Fall Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Another one, is there? Yeah.
0: No. Well,
3: but, uh... us, we're only two weeks in. Give it a chance. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> quickly on to a Fall Podcast. Uh, so we're lucky enough to have two guests today. So I've got to say, Steve, you may, I hope you've got some good questions, because these are proper writers, these, I not the stuff you write, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, proper book and everything, these two. Right, without further ado, I shall introduce you uh, to Tessa Norton, writer and uh, author of uh, Amongst Other Things, The Fields Here Are Full of Gold. So although that's not quite a book, is it? I didn't really know how to describe it. Is it an author? Is it a curator, is it? Anyway, we'll get on to that. And Bob Stanley who is uh, a musician at the end, obviously, uh, wrote Yeah, 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 Story of Modern Pop, and I believe he's working on the prequel, which, I don't know how far back it goes, Madrigal, I'm not so sure, we'll get <laughs> that. And obviously they are the uh, editors of a new book about the fall, not the new book about the fall, a new book about the fall, Excavate, The Wonderful and Frightening World of the Fall, which contains a lot of interesting essays and posters and all kinds of stuff, but we'll get into all that. The other thing uh, we need to say about Bobby is he's an old pen pal of mine, he, uh, wrote,
1: yeah,
3: we, really? Yeah, yeah, we correspond regularly, once every 40 years. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's he's tempted oh. to write back. I, I
3: tell you, it is interesting. This will tell you everything you need to know. He, uh, he wrote to the fall, and I wrote back in 1982 or something. I sent him a letter and a poster. Guess which he's still got? Guess which one he's lost? Even work <laughs> <out that laughs> good, uh, good afternoon. Are, are you
2: well? You too? Yeah. Yeah, we
4: are. Thanks. Good thanks. Nice, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, is it the all book. going well with the book? Yes, yeah, I think it's going. It's going all right. It seems to be going down well. Obviously, you know, it's one of those things. You have No idea what people are going to think of it once you once you send it out. You know, put it send it out into the world. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, got, it got called pretentious in a good way, other day, which I was quite pleased about. Well, that's all right. Yeah, I think yeah, that's all right.
4: A compliment, and that's you know, I'm fine yeah. with that. I think we knew it was quite an idiosyncratic book, and you know, you know the, the falls. You know, seemed like they deserve nothing less. So, um, we, you know, we were, you know, you're never sure kind of how it's going to land. Whether people will be expecting more of a conventional biography or something like that. But, um, but no, people seem to be enjoying this approach, which is great.
3: I was going to ask about that. I mean, because I'm not so sure how many bands you could do a book like this about.
0: I was thinking the same thing this morning. Yeah, trying to think of all the bands. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's, it's, The Beatles it's, would be the obvious one, wouldn't they? What's that? The Beatles, you could probably write a book about
2: that. Uh, yeah, about yeah, that. I mean, yeah, they, they're probably, they probably exist already, don't they? I mean, it's like, it, even then, though, it's like, it, I think it's the amount of, like, subject matters sort of covered in full songs, um, apart from anything else, you know, you know, the Beatles don't cover that huge amount of subject matters, mostly love songs.
4: Oh, it's not as surprising, you know, There's there's so many, like, References that kind of spin off from the falls, but that's sort of what we. No,
0: I don't think there's any Beatles songs about aftershave, is there?
4: No <laughs> <laughs> one can think of one, right? In.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I've you realise you've just distracted me. Now I'm going to be spend the next hour thinking of a terrible pun <laughs> on aftershave, and... <laughs> so I'll, I'll get back to you. And I'll, I'll let the, the back half of my brain work on that while we talk. But I might if if I interrupt you and shout something out, it'll be an aftershave that's a pun of a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> an aftershave thought, will
3: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, no, so, Because I was going to say that there's not a lot of bands you could get something like Mark Fisher's essay, and then uh, an essay about comparing it to amateur football and Joseph Boys. I mean, I, you'd struggle with that, wouldn't you? I think. Yeah. yeah I think no, so. you
4: would. I think it's it. You know, we we wanted it to be, um. You know, or, you know, the essays that we commissioned to be like a very wide ranging essay collection, like in their own right. And I can't think of many other bands that, yeah, that would kind of suggest that. A couple of people have said Dylan, obviously, like a really different artist, but I suppose there's maybe that similar thing of lots of like buried references. But again, I'm sure all that's been picked over by you know the Bobcats over the years. Yeah, and,
3: yeah, know, yeah. Who well, I mean, publish. Mine and Steve's books, um, they they got almost the cottage industry in itself doing Bob Dylan books. I mean, you can write; like, people have written everything about Bob Dylan, haven't they? I think. Yeah. 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 Getting that way with the fall, I think. But there you
0: go.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely
0: now. Oh, I, I like this that we're being talked about in the same vein as Bob Dylan and the Beatles.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you're the you're the, you're the peak best of this story. No, no, no <laughs> I know. <don't. laughs> Well, I can't say that, can I? Because if you're Pete Best, what does that make me? One of the, one of the boring men, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> the one who went on to fit carpets, that'll be me. The one thing we normally ask on these uh, things is how you first came across the fall. So if we do that individually, Tessa, how did you? what was your first experience with the fall? Um,
4: the first album I bought was Verted by Language when I was about 13. Um, might have even been, yeah, no, no, but about 13. Um, and I'd read, I, you know, it, it was that, that kind of first couple of years when you start reading the music press and you're trying to kind of piece together what had kind of come before you. Um, and I, so I just dived in and I was, yeah, I thought it was one of the most exciting things I'd ever heard. It felt like, you know, I'd been like allowed into kind of back room somehow that, you know, that was you know, much more kind of like exciting than anything that I kind of, that have got me to that point. So
3: um, how far after the fact was that, then? How far after it was released?
4: Uh, that would have been... I was born in 1981. I'm 40, so, that yeah, that would have been about 10 years after it was released, I suppose. Is that my maths? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's, about, no, it's about, probably slightly less, I think.
4: Maybe a
3: little bit less, yeah. But um, the big question there is, did you go forward or back from there?
4: Um, <laughs> a bit of, a bit of, of some... both, actually. Probably back first and then... Jump forward a bit and kind of zigzag you know, for the next kind of few years, and uh, kind of like caught up. You know, I think it, already at that point it felt like, you know, a big and expansive body of work. And you know, I was, you know, obviously like John Peel was still going and friends were that. that. You know, it felt like a very important thing to to know about. But um, but it also felt like kind of world that you have to discover for yourself a little bit. What do you think, Bob? You were the same sort of age. I mean, I yeah, I was, I was a little bit older.
2: I'd have been, it was the first, first record I bought was Total's Turns. Um, and I hadn't heard anything off it. I just, you know, because, you know, then, the Fool didn't get played on the radio very much. Uh, and I was like, I was 15, so I, was like, I wasn't listening to John Peel quite yet. Um, I think it was probably just before I started listening to him. But um, I bought it just because I'd read, read about the Fool and it sounded, it sounded really interesting. Uh, and I liked the cover. Um, and uh, it was secondhand, so it was cheap. And I, I bought it and I couldn't work out what, what on earth I was listening to at first. It was just like, I, I didn't like it at all. But I kept playing it and, um, and and then got into it. Then Slates came out, was the next stop. Like, new records come out, which I absolutely loved. And, and that was it, basically. then they all became my favourite group. That's a weird one to start with yeah. Total's Turns. Yeah, it probably was, <laughs> wasn't it? I mean, like, it's obviously, like, you know, Rouch Rumble and Jack Jacket. Pretty catchy, but that's not the most obvious way to first listen to them. I'm
3: not sure they're that they're massively catchy in the versions that are on that are on so Total's. No, no, <laughs> <laughs>
4: what's the most common kind of jumping on point for people?
0: I've... I don't know because I don't think it's... there is one, is there? You get a lot of people say that, yeah, the, <laughs> the
2: favorite album is the first one they bought, yeah, yeah, yeah. But which begs the question: Why did you buy it? And not it? Well, yeah. That's I mean, yeah. the thing. It's like I mean, like you know, like I was just saying. It's like it's, it's I couldn't you could, I couldn't hear the fall. I mean, unless I I probably wasn't even that aware of John Peel at this point. I was, I was basically buying Smash Hits and Record Mirror. Though I wasn't even buying NME, and um, it just seemed intriguing, and I wanted to know what they sounded like. Um, and it must you know certainly around that time, I kind of been the, the only person doing that. It was just so hard to hear a lot of stuff back then. It's like it's. Used to take it for granted now that you can just obviously press a button and miss absolutely anything, but it's really not the case. Then.
3: Do you think that's, I mean, a bigger question than just a, a podcast about the fall? But do you think music's lost some value in the fact that you can get everything everywhere all the time now? There was some kind of mystique about it, maybe, when you couldn't get hold of it very easily?
0: Yeah. yeah there was some kind of event, wasn't it, when something came out and you had to track it down and actually go to the shop and.
2: Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I think it's. Um, it's different now I mean it's, it's just it's, it's just changed isn't it Cause, I mean you know you still get well it's not that like recently but like when Beyonce did the Lemonade album it was just like came out of nowhere and no one was expecting it so you have to like sort of like be quite creative to have any kind of mystique around what you're doing because everything is so as soon as there's a, a sniff of something being recorded then people talk about it on social media but um yeah I mean yeah you had to buy the yeah back then it was like an old man but you had to buy the music every week and go through the news and new releases, and then you'd see what was coming and get excited about it. Yeah. Um, I mean,
3: mm-hmm. it, I think it, some of it is an old man thing, you know, like saying, does it, does it take my 78s and all that kind of thing? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, de- I definitely think there's something about the fact that you can say, oh, what was the B side of this record? And you, you go to Spotify and it's there straight away. Yeah. But there's a kind of a sheen gone off thing to think so, anyway.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's definitely lost something. Um, oh, I'm not yeah. saying it's
3: worse or better, but it's just
2: different, isn't it? I yeah, it's, it's just different, yeah. I and mean, I think, you know, people are trying to recreate that as well now, which I think means that people do miss it. Um Yeah.
3: Well I mean vinyl's but Crazy, isn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah. And like the cassette thing, you know, you think well that's just like cassettes were were always rubbish really. It's just it's just people are just trying to get some kind of I don't know, texture or something to music that's beyond yeah. just listening to it.
4: I think it's also like an element of Discovery as well though isn't it it's like not feeling like everything in the world is is out there and you you know you're like in this like a kid in this enormous supermarket where you're like oh what's this to? it's it's quite nice to kind of go on these little trails of like you know looking at back of a DP that you've just bought and trying to out who the label was and what else have they put out and what's coming next and mm. what
0: yeah and that and that is certainly true of the fall isn't it because it was like Sort of being part of a underground club that no one else had heard about. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: and the same with like with um like getting into writers and stuff like that. You know, I like pre-internet. I remember just like sitting on the floor in Waterstones in York for like hours, just kind of like following little trails in books and like not buying anything (laughs) because you know you're a kid. But you know, you just you, you sit there kind of like reading about whatever they've got in, and I. I think I wanted this book to feel a little bit like that, actually that kind of analogue yeah. way of like following little thinning threads. So, you know, you read something in a Mark Fisher essay, oh, I wanna go back and read that stuff.
2: Yeah, well I mean that's that's definitely what we both got from the fall, I think. It's like there were so many things that you could like pick yeah, down. I said this to someone the other day, but it sounds hilarious now, but when I first heard Spectre versus Rector, which would be on hotel's terms, I suppose. Um I thought it was Elmore James instead of M. R. James. i, I had no idea who M. R. James was then. <laughs> <laughs> There's things like that And, and, and the, when you do find out Who these people are It leads you down These different routes and, and everyone And everyone who Gets into the fall I think finds different routes To go down Like no one has the same I'm sure you find this But no one has the same story Everyone has a different Story I yeah. got to the fall And what I got out of the fall Yeah definitely I mean
3: Funnily enough We, 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 we were talking to um, We've talk, obviously been talking To various people From the fall And we were talking to The, the guy who was the drummer The last drummer of the fall Kieran and his experience of the fall is pretty much completely different from ours. I mean, that's just different members of the band. So, yeah, the yeah. from the outside is incredible, really. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And it's obviously there's, you know, there's so many of you alumni and so many sort of stories to tell as well. Um, you know, it's just, it's vast. It's, you know, you could go on forever and you could do kind of hundreds of books thinking about all that. Yeah, so, I mean, we, the, the stuff we went to for collections was, was all fans. So it's not the most valuable items. It's not the most, um, it's not mint condition records or anything like that. It's, you know, this is stuff that's just been taped to people's bedroom walls or that they've saved in their shoebox since they were 16. And, you know, the stuff that becomes like, you know, quite important to you as an object. So we wanted to kind of keep some of that stuff that's like precious to people, even if it's not like physically valuable. Um so that's kind of what the
3: visuals are made of. That was a big thing that struck me is that with a lot of the stuff that's in here is how just how little, well, I mean, nothing basically, I kept. I think you're the same. No, so.
0: uh, me too. Uh, yeah, I do find it incredible that people have held on to this stuff for so long and it is important to them.
3: I wish I had a loft full of uh, original press, totally wild, I tell you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have a I wouldn't have a loft full of original Preston totally wired for long. Let's put it. Away. <laughs> we, we were talking about that the other day. Steve, was Steve, Steve had the uh, ideal for living. You know the original. Oh yeah, with the paper sleeve. Yeah, and he gave it away. Who did you give it away to? Steve? I've been thinking since I cannot
0: even remember who I gave it to.
1: was uh, uh,
3: uh... and, and it was estimated fifteen hundred and two thousand
1: five hundred
2: pounds. No, it's nuts, isn't it? You never know. You never know what's yeah. going to be valuable. And I've got rid of records. You did education. it a week, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I go for, for a record the other way. I did, a, I did a, I had a stall at a record fair. This is very boring. I had a stall at a record fair. It's got rid of tons of seven inches, like 60s, 70s things. I, I couldn't even remember what they sounded like. And then just like, of course, as soon as I'd done that, I'd just look one up and it just sold for 500 quid.
1: Oh. <laughs> 500 <laughs> yeah, some, yeah someone will be happy. Hopefully you made someone's day. yeah. Well, they've made a fruit bowl out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had a poster for the fall
3: supporting the cure at the Rainbow. I had that for quite a while. Funnily enough, when I when I got married, I was going to get it framed and put on the wall but Julie wasn't that massively keen and I went up in the room. But I get I got rid of that and I think that's worth some money now as well. But that, I can't believe you know, well, I know one man's trash is another man's riches but it's just the, the amount of stuff there is now. I, I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a consequence of music not
2: being a thing anymore,
3: but people just crave stuff, don't they?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean,
2: I don't know because I mean, like the, the the stuff was always there. I suppose I mean I, I used to try and get set lists and posters and try and keep flyers, but um, uh, you know never never seen Etienne ones. <laughs> I've hardly got anything of uh, of ours either. But it, um, I, I know I know what you mean, but it's um. You tend to not, though, don't you, when you're in it, when you're in the middle of it all? Yeah, well, especially if you're doing, if you're doing a gig, the, the, the first thing you do in your conversation is not to t- try and take a poster off the wall. It's like, you know, <laughs> your fans do in the are leaving. Uh, you're the last person who's going to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite hard to pick up things like that, I suppose.
3: I tell you what, I bet young bands now are thinking, you know, everything's about a way to monetize it. Oh, right, right, we've got our set lists here, so we collect all of them in, they all, yeah. can all of them, get that poster down. Find the back of that. You can, I mean, you can see it because people are selling the sound checks now, aren't they? Are oh, they? Oh, yeah. it. You can get a VIP <laughs> invite to so come and watch the sound check.
1: Oh, oh yeah, I'm of course
0: I'm you're on. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Inviting like people in. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't pay to watch you going bum, bum, bum for 20 minutes, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I tell
3: you what, There'd be a bit of throat. Uh, sometimes getting a full sound check might be an interesting experience.
0: Oh, you pay for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: 20 minutes of art picking the gaffer tape off the stage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <it> before, yeah.
3: <laughs> we did talk about that, Kieran, the other night. He said we used to do a sound check and um, Mark would turn up and he'd come along and he'd say, that's great, that. Can you just move the drum kit 12 inches to the left? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Why he couldn't have moved 12 inches to the right, I'm not so sure, but there you go. <laughs> it wasn't the point. Yeah, it definitely was not the point, no. <laughs> So I was going to say, Tessa, you're the old one out here. You're the only person on this uh, podcast who hasn't played Shock Stop" live on stage. That's
4: <laughs> <true>. yet. <Yeah.
3: laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was I was listening to the the uh, end version. It's I was expecting. I don't know why. I, I was expecting it to be sort of ironic, you know, because the words are fairly, but it's completely straight, isn't it? The way it's played, it's great. By the way, the oh, it is.
2: oh, it's a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, it's um, yeah. That's I mean, that's one. Of the, one yeah, one of the things. About the fall that I love is that like, it's, I, I think I read two different things from Mark talking about chalk stock. One which we put in the book where he says, you know, he says it's not really ironic, and he's like he he's, he quite likes the idea that kids are into pop music for the sake of pop music rather than being sniffy and you know, listening to Jim Morrison sulking um, or whatever. But um, I, I mean, oh, I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I don't know what he was thinking when he wrote the lyrics, but we we just thought we'd do it straight. Um, yeah. Because obviously we're we, we're a pop group and um, and that, that's why we did it. Um, but yeah, I think I I, I I wrote I wrote to him when we when we did it. I wrote to him to make sure it was okay because I didn't want him to like hear it and then say something really negative about us in the press. Um, and I think from the from the letters in the book, I mean, obviously you you, you two are going to know this much better than we do. But um, he seemed to like he seemed to quite like it when people did things in the proper way like that. So like. I wrote, wrote a letter to him and put my number on. He called back and went, yeah, of course, you can do what you want with it. I, I don't mind. But, yeah, thanks for writing. Uh, that's about as close as I ever got to chatting to him, really.
3: Well, I he'd have been calling, he'd have you a new one, wasn't he, in the press, let's What's
2: that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We, we really, really didn't want that to happen because we were big fans. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, well, I mean, yeah he seemed to appreciate that.
3: I think there's a big thing with Mark where whatever people, you know, like whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not, I think. Yeah. And he did he was a big thing with Manners, I think. So I mean I think he would
0: have appreciated yeah. yeah, he would have appreciated that, just the the fact that you letting him know about it and making sure it was alright. Yeah, yeah. Yeah kind yes. mean, of what we what, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's I don't remember him ever writing to the guy who wrote Mr. Pharmacist.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did. Did he leave the wrote Mr. Pharmacist? Pardon? Can you read
3: the man who wrote Mister Pharmacist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, you, did Sarah have much trouble getting the no one back backing vocals on Chalkstock? Because
2: it's a <laughs> 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 high register, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long time ago. I think her voice is pretty bad, off the high as well.
3: So I got, a, I got, a, went down a complete rabbit hole once I started listening to that. I think obviously we, with uh, at the end. I then got on to um, Only Love Can Break Your Heart and then I got which well, I got to mm. El- would you believe it so I w- I've been complete rabbit hole with Elkie Books because she's um, obviously from Manchester and she's she's like a, one of those artists that's been there forever but you never really think about you
4: did, did you ever
2: hear to Neil Young uh, no no, no, we, no we tried to see if Neil Young had ever heard it at least and it, it's, um, cause we're, on, mm. we're on the same label in America yeah. at the time but couldn't ever get a response but he, he, he had heard it because he he played it on a radio station with this is really going down a rabbit hole, sorry. It was all right. What yeah, is it for? Yeah. I think it's Randy Backman from Backman Turner Overdrive <laughs> has his own radio station in Canada, or he's more famous than he is here. And Neil Neil Young was a guest because it's all about Canada, and, and they played that. So we know at least he's aware of it, yeah. So oh, well, that's, that's... he didn't say, get this
3: trash off, did he?
2: <laughs> Hopefully not. No, I don't know what he said.
4: <laughs> did not say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it took us 30 years to find out if he was even aware yeah, of it, so yeah. we are quite
1: pleased to find that out. Uh, we were supposed to be talking about the four. Did you ever meet Mark then, Bob? Uh, I met him
2: once. Um, we did a, a, a PA really early on at the sub club in Glasgow, and and when I came out from backstage, he was at the bar. So I just went up and introduced myself um, and said, "Oh, what 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 do you think of us?" He said, "I didn't watch the band. I just came because it's a late license." But, um... mm. <laughs> so, what year would that have been? 1990, that would have been. Yeah, that is. I think that was when we were
0: we were in Glasgow for a month recording Code Selfish." Ah, right. And we and we were all in a, like a flat, and we'd go to the, after the recording sessions. We'd go to the sub club, yeah, you know? yeah. Just all taking off at that time, wasn't it? All the yeah, yeah, it was great. It's really good really stuff. Great. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: You lived in the flat again. I in that
0: recording studio in Glasgow and ended up scrapping it all. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if that had anything to do with the sub club or not. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, we, as I say, we were talking to Kieran, and he was saying that by the time he was in the band, the fall, he just went they went in the studio with nothing and wrote and did everything there and then, which it, that was unheard of, When certainly when I was in the band.
1: Yeah, but, that never happened, yeah.
3: Because that's how you work, Bob, isn't it, I think?
2: Um, yeah, but, I mean, like, we'll have ideas before we go in. It's like, you know, the three of us all have an, an idea of a song and then we work on it together. But, yeah, we don't tend to go in with no ideas. But, um, that's but I, I,
3: I, I don't know how how to how that works. I mean, it clearly worked for them. But I can't imagine what you do. What Certainly as a drummer, what do you do, right? I've got this idea. I've got It goes, <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you write this? Because there must be pressure on, because if you're thinking about What's the most expensive play- room you could be in to write songs? Then, I mean, I know it's slightly different, but it's not all live instruments. But I've never got that. And it, it must be expensive.
1: It must be an yeah. expensive
4: way of doing it. And the clock's ticking, and you're aware that it's. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If you have an unproductive day, you're
2: like. That, so, how's that used to work with you then? It was like, did you. What's you go to the studio with? Like. <laughs> What would you say, Steve, 70% of it? Yeah, we'd
0: generally have about seven songs already to go and worked up, and then there'd be three or four loose ideas that we'd work on in the studio. I mean, it obviously was different for every album, but generally that was it.
2: Yeah, you'd work on them in rehearsals then? Yeah, yeah. Mark usually had one
3: thing that he'd made up on the spot that he had to sort of try and turn into a song, like Bug Day or something, but... Uh, which I never liked, but there you go. But we um, like <laughs> so the way all the way through then, Steve, even towards the end?
0: Yeah, well, well my last album, Levitate, we, that was probably, yeah, we had five or at least five or six of them ready before we went in. Sounds
2: quite yeah. spontaneous, Levitate, yeah. I think. Wasn't the best recording. <laughs> uh, it's it's, it's idiosyncratic I
1: really like it.
2: Yeah, I really like it as but... well. It, it sort of stands out, for being
0: yeah. quite bonkers. But, but you can't. You think that about fall albums? They are good. I mean, Mark used to say that, but they are. They do capture the sort of where the bands are at, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're definitely yeah they definitely say that. They were
3: like his diary. You've you, you had trouble divorcing that though, haven't you? And listening to an album sort of objectively. Well, you it, you had that experience it took to me years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took me years to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> which, which one did you, have a good, did you have a good experience on then, would you say?
0: Loads, loads Uh that was great, not making Code Selfish, but I, I fondly remember making the infotainment scan as being a good time. Extra K, And, of course, like the earlier ones with you. Oh, yeah, I was wondering when you get right around. The earlier ones with you and Mark. You and Mark and Craig. That was, I mean, my thing was, it was just
3: getting and in the studio was the big thing. But did you find it hard to keep the interest up? Because it wasn't like, there wasn't even a gap where you could miss it, was there, with The Fall? It was just full on all the time, really, wasn't it?
0: Pretty much, yeah. It was pretty much... So it never got like, oh, not another bloody album? I don't think I ever thought that, no. <laughs> Perhaps you should have. <laughs> you <I> should have done. <laughs> no, but, I mean, it's quite... We could have had, had a, a few months off.
3: Because I was going to say, if you're looking at bands that last as long as The Fall, it's very rare that the... They're as busy as the fall. So if you say, about, if you look at say Dexys, for instance, or the Cure, mm, years yes. where they didn't do anything at all. But there's no years where the Fall didn't do anything. No. It? So what were they doing? <laughs> no, you'd have to. We'll, well, we'll have to go on the Cure podcast and find out. Mm. Is
0: like, that with bands of that size where they do the the album, then they spend two years touring it, then they start working on the next one, and so it seems like a long time.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it be like a cycle that you get into. Like whatever, mm. you know, whatever group you're in, there will be like a regular frequency. But yeah, I can't think of one that's like as tightly wound as.
0: No, we didn't think that an album a year was actually that much. I, I don't mm. think it is. So, I mean. No, I mean, especially when there's like four people writing the music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might maybe there was a fair bit of pressure on Mark to come up with all those lyrics. But when you've got four people writing the music, and there's it's only three songs each, and I think you know if
2: you're if you can't come up with three songs, you really call yourself a musician, can you? When when bands get to a certain level, I think it's like you know the album comes out, then they tour, then they like they tour South America or something. If they're the Cure, mm. whatever, and it's like yeah, the, the cycle for each album is like this gets longer and longer, and then like some people are going to have kids and disappear for six months or whatever. So I suppose that's that's how things slow down because you know like the Cure would have done an album a year in the late 70s, early 80s, wouldn't they? It's just that, that when they got bigger and there's like more responsibilities, I suppose it was. Um, it slowed down, but yeah, I mean, the Fool is like the one, the one group I can think of that never, never did slow down like that. Um, and also, I, mean, I suppose record companies don't really want you to do an album a year because no, well, they didn't. I was going to say that's
0: that 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 cold, selfish album was the last one we did when we were on uh, Phonogram. Yeah, they didn't like that at all. <laughs> an album a year.
3: <laughs> the, 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 the only. The only one who broke the contract by not
0: releasing by releasing too many albums. Too many albums. <laughs> <laughs> did
4: anyone ever tell you to slow down?
0: Well they tried, yeah. So they did try, but then but Mark left.
2: Right, right.
1: Yeah.
2: And they did the infotainment scan after that? Yeah, that was on like a smaller label, yeah, on Permanent Records.
3: Yeah. So do you reckon that there's a finite amount of money? To be made. So if you make less albums, you sell more of them, and then that was because it was just different business model. I mean, if if you can use the words business model about the fault, you'd, you'd rather sell two albums, half as many each, than just keep selling the same album. Do you think that's that was part?
1: of That's it? true. Yeah,
2: yeah. It, it sounds like, I mean, yeah, that sounds like a good business model to me. Well, not a business model, but it's yeah, creatively it's a lot more interesting than slogging like the same album for four years, is, isn't oh, okay. it? I could never understand why, why 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 bands do that voluntarily. Myself, it must um, it's get incredibly boring.
4: As an artist, you must be so sick of it as well. Because yeah. I, I think you know, the minute something comes out, you know, you tend to want to work on the next thing. Don't yeah.
0: You? Well, generally, we were halfway. Through. By the time that album, last album came out, we were halfway on the next one. Yeah.
3: Sometimes I thought we have got rid of this. a lot. Of it was a fair few. I thought we got rid of this too soon. I was just getting into it. Mm. You know, as soon as you'd learn it properly, you know, so you go and record it and then start playing it live or whatever. By the time you'd learn it properly, it was gone. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one of the things with them. Um, you know, and I don't think Mark was massive, well, I know he wasn't massively pleased with the extricated, but some of the songs there, it was never like we were stepping on the false toes because after that stuff, they'd the dropped within like two months
2: of writing it. I think yeah. the first time was sort of full. we was like late eighty one and it was like all hex induction hour and stuff. And that obviously hadn't come out at that point. So I got the feeling that you were playing most of what you were playing live was stuff that hadn't even been released yet. I saw I saw you again in eighty two with the birthday party and uh, Oh where was, was that? At uh, Hammersmith Palais. Oh my, my favourite gig that
1: really
2: yeah. yeah. That was such a great gig wasn't mm. yeah. it? It was really good. I really I really enjoyed it. The encore was longer than the set.
3: <laughs> it was. I'm, I'm reliably informed that the encore went on longer than the original set. <laughs> and most of that was on this day, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. That's yeah, amazing. that makes
3: sense. Oh, the killer, that. Jesus. But um, that's true, because when we did, by the time we were doing uh, Australia at the end of that year, it was most of X induction hour had gone. Mm. I mean, we had like songs because maybe we did that we did room to live but after x induction out which kind of marked trying to reset things a bit but oh we didn't know any of them songs we had other songs that we were playing live like Surrogate mirage and backdrop and stuff like that that actually never
2: and no, they do no, no i don't know surrogate mirage <laughs> i'm not surprised played <laughs> <it twice. laughs> i've never heard that no. I tell you what, I found one the other
3: day that I was I was looking at something and I found a false set with a song in that I have no. If you put a gun to my head and said, "What's this song?" He talks. It's called. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a clue. We played. I think we played it twice in, or something, and I, I would not have the first idea what it is. Have you ever heard of it, Steve?
0: Uh, that, the name's vaguely familiar, but I couldn't. I couldn't whistle it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just couldn't whistle, <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, but there was, so there was like look, that was we were record. We did two albums in a year, and there still wasn't enough room to put everything out that the fall was. Yeah. Like.
1: yeah.
2: So when you say room to live was was a reset,
3: what was what was the thinking there? Right, like? Well, the, the big theory is, and I, I, there's a really good book about the recording of X induction Hour. Know, but um, <laughs> we did X induction Hour. That's not why we're here. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not the title. Um, we did that, and it got really good press. Matt, there was this thing that Mark said it was going to be the last album we were ever going to do, but I think he said that after the event. I think we well, certainly knew nothing about it. But um, it got really good press, and then it was getting used. So you'd read a new review of Echo and the Billingman, and then you'd compare it to X induction Hour and all things. So then we went in and did the complete opposite. We did Room to Live so Mark could have me and Steve in one day and not tell Craig or Mark to turn up and then be another guitarist there. And we didn't know any of the songs, and we recorded them like the second time we'd heard them. It was horrible, to be honest. But yeah. It was like a deliberate attempt to derail any kind of idea that we were suddenly moving mainstream. I think that was a deliberate thing. It was quite clever, really. It wasn't very nice at the time. But it, I think it—you know the fall always relied on not being quite there, I think. You know what I mean?
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense because I've, I've got to say, Richard, it wasn't. My, I was pretty disappointed when that came out. What so was I.
3: <laughs> There's a song on there called "Papal Visit," which I've never actually heard. That's really? it's like like a, a bugbear of mine. I'm going to go to my grave having never heard it. <laughs> 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 you can play a funeral. Check, I'm dead. So they if they play that if I don't push the coffin lid out and jump out, then you know I'm really dead.
1: <laughs> I said that <no. laughs>
3: Have you ever heard it? See, because we're not on it. we're not on it, are we? I thought I was on it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've heard it. Pardon? How I I think, I know I've not heard it. I think I'm on paper visit. Yeah. Oh yeah. What do you I play? Think it? it's just, just me, Mark, and Carl, and he's got. A, and Mark's playing the violin, isn't he?
3: Well, I knew Mark was playing the violin. and I knew Carl was on it, but I yeah, didn't I
0: know am on it. Yeah.
3: Just you, you bloody quizzler, you were on everything. Then that's everything. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> How's it sound in your head? You like a. Yeah, do you it imagine it.
3: If you if you listen to the uh, uh Hotel out and yeah. then he'd strip bricks off and just have Mark violin and Mark vocal, that's what I imagine papal visit sounds like. But I have no clue. I mean it could be it could be, you know, it could be a waltz, it could be anything. I've I've no idea. I mean if it was Carl's it's gonna be a bit strange because it, that was the Carl was doing a lot of writing then, wasn't he? He was. He got his feet well under the bleeding table there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Culmination that was, we went to Australia and then Mark went, Mark Riley. Yeah. 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 And it was kind of, he thought, you know, the reasons he gave were probably not true that he was wanted to play the hits, which, you know, Mark, what he, Mark Riley wanted to play pop. I don't know if you've ever heard Mark Riley in the Creepers, but if you want any evidence exactly. that Mark Riley didn't want to play pop, just listen to a couple of them.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: But, um, so that was, but I think it, it kind of worked. You know that that's the thing. If you stand back at the end of it all, and say Mark's decisions, most of the time I think they work. You'd agree with that, Steve, would you?
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about a lot of a long time and a lot of decisions
1: here, <laughs> 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 but I. In terms of. However, great
0: that was with Bricks, and it was, and Marcia, and it was great, but there's something about that lineup with me, you, and Craig, and Mark Riley that could have, if Room to Live hadn't got in the way, could have gone somewhere else, I think. Yeah. Because those three or four albums up to that are all really good, aren't they? Yeah,
1: they
0: are. But. Would, I mean, I I'm, I'm, I have no answer to this,
3: but would the fall have lasted 40 years if was how it was
1: going to go? Mm.
4: We'll it's like the labyrinth, though, isn't it? There's loads mm. of directions it could have gone off in that you'll never know the answer to because the course of action that happened was the only one that we'll ever know about. Now you get kind of that hindsight over yeah. the whole groups' career. But, yeah, there's probably loads of different directions it all could have gone in, you know, if things had and differently or if Mark's you know, master plan had been slightly different but that's I guess with hindsight that's one of the things that's so interesting
3: about it it is yeah because I always thought that first I'll, I'll line up you know live at the wish I thought they could have been like you too I mean, not that we need another U2, but they were—they had the kind of chops musically. They could have been massive, I think, with Carl and Martin Braverman on guitar. I mean, whether it—you know—it it became a different thing, didn't it? And I'm—I'm I'm not loath to say which is better, but I think the world needs the Fall as it turned out more than it needs another really good rock band. You know? yeah,
2: yeah, I think I so. Much, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The first yeah. album really sort of sticks out now. I think the more, <clears throat> the, you know, the more the catalog built up, the first album really sort of stuck out like a sore thumb. Really, I think it sounds yeah. like, a, yeah. A, conventionally recorded alternative rock album or whatever.
3: I mean, it, it wasn't that conventionally recorded, to be honest. I mean, the thing about it was they had five days in the studio in London and Mark lost his voice. I mean, Martin reckons it was psychosomatic. He, he says it on the album, I have psychosomatic voice, that the pressure on them to do the first album was that Mark couldn't speak for a week. So they had one day to record it. So they did the whole thing in one day. Right. But, yeah, yeah it's not that conventional. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it does sound, it's, it, I don't know, It's it's it' It does sound like sort of got a kind of a sheen on it that nothing else has really yeah. But, yeah, and
4: with hindsight you're definitely like oh right it got a lot weirder after that you yeah. know and, yeah, yeah. And at, at the time was, you know, I didn't hear it at first, you know I started you know a little way in and then went back and read it.
3: I think Mark Mark Riley always says that the dragnet lineup that was when mark. That was what he, that's what the sound he had in his head rather than what, because obviously the witch trials was a bit more democratic really. And he could, you know, at that point, you wouldn't have said Mark was any more important than Martin or Carl or whoever, you know, Mm. it was after that, it kind of got Mark mid and under the fall. Not that it was ever built or that, nor should it have been, but it was kind of more Mark's idea of what he wanted a band to be, I think.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah it uh, definitely comes across like that. Anyway. One thing I, w- I was really
3: surprised about because obviously, we're doing the podcast, I've listened to lots of fall all the way through. Well, like, for a long time, I never really listened to the fall past 1998 for some reason. I can't remember what happened in 1998, but I never really. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I that, right. <laughs> that last 10 years of the fall or whatever, the last lineup, I've been listening to them a lot. They're, yeah, fantastic. I was absolutely blown away to be honest because. I was expecting it to be just more of the fall, if you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: But he kind of he kind of solved the puzzle, I think, Mark. He got it, so he didn't have to. He, he, he was not interested in sacking anybody, and they were all always ready to go, I think. And that's that's a hell of an achievement, I think. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Because I think
4: you get a bit of distance on it, and I suppose you can enjoy it more as the listener rather than just like. What?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I was, I was, I was, I've been listening to some of the ones with the two drummers. I did not find myself getting quite jealous, jealous at one stage. <laughs> Thinking, you know, I wish we'd have done this, you know, because, because that, that two drummer thing, I was talking to this, but, but uh, it's, i have obviously, I've never experienced anything like it before or since. But that whole thing with having two drummers, which again was a daft idea of Marx that everybody thought was, well, this isn't going to work. And once you do it, it's like, why didn't we think
2: of that before? It was just yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite a, you weren't the only group doing it, were you, at the time? Obviously, out of the well, doing it. Big. And uh, Section 25, I remember seeing around that time, they had two drummers. So, so yeah, it sounded brilliant, wasn't it wasn't, you know, it, it, The Glitter Band, they'd done it before, of course. They had, yeah. But
3: that did, did they actually play on the records, though, the Glitter Band? Was it not, not just all Gary Glitter and was it Mike Leander? Or what was name? I don't think they actually played on the records, did they? Um,
2: I, I think they probably did. I'm not. I'm not sure. No, no, saying so that I can't imagine who else it would be. I mean, obviously, Mike Leander's production is pretty, really, yeah. way they sound, I mean, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think I'm pretty sure they played on them. I'm, I know they played on the Glitter Band records, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Glitter Band records. That's what I mean, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was there was uh, yeah two two drummer thing. You're right. It's uh, it's quite odd that more people don't do it. I saw Khalees playing <laughs> about six seven years ago. She had two drummers. It was like an all female band with two drummers. It was really good. But uh, yeah, I don't see it often enough. I, I was talking to
3: someone once and he is he, he was there. he was the second drummer in a Gary Glitter tribute band. So <laughs> <laughs> the bottom dropped out of that market overnight, I'll bet Because yeah. no, yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> that's a really awkward cause that's that's kind of an elephant in the room, because they weren't really good, the Clitter, Gary Glitter stuff wasn't it? I mean it it was, it was yeah, really,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a we did a we did a um Yeah, uh, oh,
4: yeah.
2: yeah. yeah like a Mabel. Kind of yeah, Mabel, a rag thing, whatever yeah, right rag, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. and um, we did one in Bangor in North Wales with with the Glitter Band, obviously like quite quite late on in their career, and again just before the bottom completely dropped out of their world as well. Um, but they, they were really good. But I did uh, a weird mixture of Glitter Band songs and the Suite, and even though there was it had nothing to do with the Suite at all, they were kind of trying to make it sound like they they'd done ballroom Blitz first time round. <laughs> it was like a bit of an old bit of an old career move. There you go.
3: Did the last member of the suite just die? Is that right? Was it Steve New? Or well, not Steve New? He's uh, the what's he called? Steve. Yeah. Steve
2: Priest. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's just died. hasn't he?
2: Yeah. Yeah. A little while, Yeah. Not long ago.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because that's one of the that's one of the things I've been, you know, people going on about I'll Punk rock and the music before that—it was, it was crap, and there was nothing in the charts. And but it's a lot, it's a lot of rubbish, really, isn't it? There was pretty a lot, a lot of good stuff. Well, yeah. If you look,
0: look back on that on seventies and early seventies, it was. Yeah,
2: I think I think, I think like, immediately before punk, it was uh, it was in the doldrums a bit. But yeah, like sort of seventy three, seventy four, it was um, seventy two. It was all really, and I was I was like uh, seven, eight, nine years old. But it was like sound like it's a like, sort of purpose built for me all that. Yeah,
1: me too. Right. Mm-hmm. But I
3: mean. Think did things thing move quicker then because a year you're talking about a year and a half, you're saying the music was in the from when it was brilliant to when it, I mean, that's nothing now, is it? That's that's people releasing one single, the the, the urgency then was just, I mean, so I, again, that's something that the fall managed to carry on, but I think most bands were like that. Buzzcocks had two albums out in a year in 1978, yeah, there was all that thing you didn't put singles on albums. I think it's Mark was less unusual then than it became later on.
2: I think. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, Like, yeah. You didn't put singles on albums, so or you had you definitely had standalone singles, like everyone did. It's um, that's definitely think the thing you did. It was like you know it made singles more more of an event as well. I think
1: that. One. Yeah, definitely. Is I mean, the way
4: though that maybe the falls like rhythm or the plan of how they release stuff is different to like I don't know prestigious indie bands who take themselves very seriously, but it's maybe not that unusual and. If you go back to kind of yeah seventies pop or you know that kind of like single single album short tour, you know it's more like that than it is like I don't know whatever Wade would do or something yeah. you know it's, well, it's,
2: you it's, know. it's, it's one of the few groups I thought what well, they did do a Maybe,
4: yeah, yeah, line single yeah. so but only only the yeah. one
2: but they they did yeah. um, do an event single but um, yeah no definitely I think yeah, and, yeah doing degrees like it was uh, absolutely the, the norm in the. Early '80s to do that, mm. certainly. You know? Yeah, and yeah. Just you know, as time went by, The Fall were about the only group who still doing it.
4: Feels like it links in a bit to those kind of unlikely influences, like uh Penny Everett's Worst Records, and you know that kind of thing. It's not. It's got. It's always got a foot in some other camps outside, just like. Digitized. Yeah,
3: that was massive. That album that did the rounds with The, with the Fall for years.
0: <laughs> I'm pleased to <laughs> do. <it>. You <laughs> <tell>. <laughs> Is there a track on that that we
1: didn't do <laughs>
4: Quite a few people have like um since when well, you put it in your piece and then like we've mentioned it a couple of times, quite a few people have like gone back and like you know dug that out break down coffee, and yeah it's been quite a revelation.
2: yeah, yeah, these people don't know about yeah. it it's a bit it's quite a shock to find that on going to Spain wasn't a full song yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> what the, what was that? Well, that was a cover version here. <laughs> Who'd cover
2: that? I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, one record like that seems surprising enough, but there are two versions. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well you know
3: it's <laughs> You'd never fancy doing this pullover,
0: Steve? No. That was never mentioned that one, no. <laughs> <laughs> and what else was on there? Well obviously uh, transfusion. Transfusion, yeah
3: that. I just might just signed and nicked it for old jumble a bit, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else was on there? I'm going to Spain. There was another one. What, there was, there was a one where, What was the one where he buries his girlfriend? Oh, what was that one called?
2: Oh, I, I want my baby back. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really Brilliant.
3: But that. I mean, that was one of them. That was one of those with the. You know, where the rarity of records. Like it's like nuggets, you know. Yeah. Them songs. The, the, if by luck happened to be on there. And because there wasn't a million records flowing about, you just kind of latched them for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, there yeah. must have been hundreds of those Nuggets that didn't make the albums, but everybody sort of cites that, don't they? Yeah, Yeah, no, the absolutely. ones that did yeah.
4: make it on become thing in their own right, don't they? Yeah, so, yeah,
3: yeah. That was always big as well, wasn't it, Nuggets? Mark was always playing that. Well, it wasn't it was a few, wasn't it, was there? What's that? Nuggets. There was a few of them. A few of them, yeah. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of them, yeah.
3: And pebbles as well, as if I or like maybe I dreamt that was there a pebbles
1: on?
0: There was.
3: What was on that? It was similar, similar, wasn't it? But they were shorter. <laughs> <laughs> they, weren't they weren't as heavy as nuggets, were really.
1: it? <laughs> 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 Smoother.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Smoother. Very good. And I, I, I think we're getting we're running out of time here, and I still haven't been able, been able to think of a, a an, an, an after shave for the Beatles. That's really poor. I'm really disappointed with myself there. But if I, I'll email you if I can do it, or I might dub it in. I might dub it in. <laughs> do <it
2: happens>. oh. <laughs> you mention having a shave on a day in the life? I think he might. He? No, he, he combs his hair. He doesn't oh, have a he shave. Does have a shave?
4: Oh, uh, Spike oh. brown
2: shoe. Oh, I oh, no, Hang on. Um, oh, Yoko, just want to have a shave? Why yes. To have a shave. Um, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> not, not, yeah. not after shave. Yeah, he was shaving
3: then a stupid bugger he'd never have shamed <laughs> <laughs> right well thank you very much that's really appreciate that really enjoyed. That. so um well, that thanks great. for it's having us yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: good luck with everything with the book
4: oh thank thanks you thanks a lot thanks
2: yeah. all right mate. okay all the best bye 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 thanks
3: Thanks for joining us this week on Old Brother. Episodes are released every second Wednesday, so watch for episode six in two weeks. Please follow us on Twitter, at Old Brother Show, where you can subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, It or RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, give us a rating on iTunes or tell your friends about us. You should also check out Excavate, the wonderful and frightening world of the fall, available from all good bookstores. See you again soon, and remember, if you're driving, take your car.